to trust Him Hey, if you haven't found your seat yet, go ahead and do that. It's good to see you this morning at Southfield. We are taking a different approach to the day, in large part based on our topic. We've been talking about the Sabbath and the elements of the Sabbath, and today we come to a day that we're talking about contemplation. So uh, we're kind of changing up some of the elements today in order to really uh, enjoy and experience a contemplative time. Now, it's possible that you've not been with us throughout this series. We've been doing this now for several weeks. A while back, we uh, showed a video that kind of explains what the Sabbath is all about, what the day of stopping is. And so we thought we'd go ahead and replay that today. It moves kind of quickly. So uh, even if you saw it once before, you might catch something this time that you missed last time. Here you go. In three, two, one. All right, so here we go. According to Genesis, the Lord created everything in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. That is, he stopped. Doesn't mean he took a nap. Means he rested from the work he'd done on the previous six days. So he blessed that day and he set it apart way back when everything was still perfect, right? Right. One day out of seven. Later, I don't know, around 2,500 years or so, way after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and sin was everywhere, Moses pops up on the scene, hikes up Mount Sinai, and receives Ten Commandments from the Lord himself, written by his very finger. You saw the movie. For all you readers out there, take a peek at Exodus 20. Here begins the law. God's commandments. His design, not ours, for our benefit, not his. Now, out of all the Ten Commandments, we stop today on the fourth. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And in case we might not connect it on our own, God uses the same language in the first book of the Bible that he does here in the second to connect it for us. And I paraphrase. In six days, not five, not a million years, not an eon, in six days God did a bunch of work, making everything that we see and don't see, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore he blessed it and made it holy. He set it apart. One day out of seven. So we got ten commandments. We got eight don'ts and two do's. But inside, one of the do's is a don't, this fourth commandment. The do is to remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And the way to keep it holy is the don't. Don't work. Or more accurate to its intent, put aside the normal work you do on the previous six days. And make this day different. One day out of seven. Okay, so let's leap forward about 1,500 years or so to Mark chapter 2. And you'll see that Jesus says, quite frankly, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. Sabbath was made for the man. Huh. God blessed this day and he set it apart. Why? For what? Well, perhaps it's a date. Maybe God is saying he just wants to spend time with us. Yeah, he created us to do all kinds of things and have friends and family and live our lives, but maybe he's saying he'd like to spend time with us too. Now, he knows we're busy. That's why he gave us seven days. Six days to do all the things that we have to do. And one day to spend with him. One day out of seven. Today's your date. Your date with God. Let's talk to him right now. Father, as we enter this place today as a, as a church body, we, um, we come to celebrate a day set apart, uh, declared as holy, 
not in the sense of sinlessness, but in the sense of special, that it's different, it's ordinary, it's unique. It's a day set apart for the Lord. And God, I pray today that as we have the chance to talk about contemplating, we would even more grasp the fact that you want this opportunity weekly to have us turn our attention aside from all the normal stuff that we do and to really enjoy a date with you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So rumor has it that we might get snow this week. Half, half the room goes yay, and half the room joins Bob, Bob Coyne, the official uh, Joliet snow ogre, and saying boo. Anyway, snow, snowflakes are, we're told at least, there are no two alike. I, I don't know if that's real or fictional, but I've always believed it. What it does, I think, is it reflects a, a, a fact of human nature that no two people are alike. We're all different. There are similarities, to be sure. I mean, I don't know if you've ever run into your twin out there or someone that looks just like someone you know. Uh, there are similarities, but we are truly unique. And our uniqueness is not confined just to our, our physical features. It goes to our personalities as well. I've made it something of a hobby to study one particular area of personality, and that's the area of extroversion and introversion, trying to understand how those two things work together. We all fall into one of these two categories, and some two more extreme than others. And honestly, these two categories, they've been mischaracterized throughout the years and and oversimplified. Most people think of extroverts as the life of the party. They just love to have fun. They're like, they're like a, you know, a dog. Just, oh, let's go, let's go, let's have fun. And, and the introverts, well, they're the people that are afraid to even say hello to their friends. You know, that, that's, the, that's the picture that we have of these two. In recent years, a lot of work has been done on this topic. One really good book, uh, not written from a Christian perspective, but just a good book, is by uh, Susan Cain. Her book is called Quiet. And the subtitle is The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. Uh, we, we need to understand better how introversion and extroversion work and how they all work together. The distinction between these two types is not just that one is gregarious and the other is shy. It, it's more fundamental than that. It, it all has to do with what energizes you. Extroverts draw energy from being with others. I mean, you look forward to coming to church. You're with people. This is great. Introverts recharge with time alone. Extroverts need noise and action. I mean, they love that. That's what helps them to gain strength. And introverts seek silence. Extroverts embrace the party. Introverts look for excuses. Halfway through the day, they're hoping a cold happens or something. You know, they'd rather not be in that setting. Um, One is not right and the other is not wrong. They just are. It's the way it is. It's kind of funny even now there's a little introvert-extrovert thing going on. You're looking at the slide, and the introverts are going, there's a typo. It's, it's driving you crazy because it should say introvert not, or extrovert, not extrovert. The extroverts are finally realizing they're at church. So that's kind of the, you know, the difference between the two. It's kind of, I'm, I'm teasing you, you know that. Why talk about this today? Why talk about extroverts and introverts when you're talking about the Sabbath? Well, because um, the fact is, the way we've been talking about the Sabbath is a pretty introvert approach to the Sabbath. And if you think about it, a, a worship leader or a pastor, a theologian, they tend to bring their personality to what the group is doing. So a lot of times, for example, worship leaders, they're very extroverted. 
You know, they're, they're just, they're big. They want people to stand. They want people to clap. They want people to turn and, and shake hands and say hi to each other. And all the introverts in the room go, oh, not this again. Oh, they're just wilting. Pastors tend to be more on the introverted side, this one being one of them. And so when we're talking about things like spiritual disciplines, we tend to talk from the standpoint of what would energize us, quiet being alone, all those sorts of things. So, so what happened for me as we're working through all this, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, this, all the things we're talking about, these four words, stop, rest, delight, and contemplate, these are, these are in the introvert wheelhouse. This is not, it's not difficult for me to do this. In fact, I wish every day looked like this. This, this, would, be, this would be a great life. These are things that, that energize me. I mean, I just, I love doing this. So, and my guess is that when, you know, even in this room, about half the room is extroverts, half the room is introverts. And so the extroverts may be struggling with how to apply this. I, I did want to do just a random test here. So if you think you're an extrovert, you're, you're energized by um, by being with people, that, that's the way things work for you. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? Extroverts, stand up. See what's funny? John, I, he didn't even think twice. He just, boom, boom, went, gone. All right. Introverts, raise your hand. Go ahead and see, raise your hand. See, and this is, the introverts, the whole time I was doing this, they're going, oh, crud, he's going to make me stand. I hate standing in church. This is a very good test, a very good test of how these two things come down. So what, I, what I'm going to do here for just a couple moments, I, I've asked John Beaker, who popped up out of his chair, our resident extrovert, to come on up and spend a couple minutes talking. Because I want to make sure that what we're not doing is missing half the room. I want to make sure that, that as we talk about this, the extroverts are going, yeah, you monks, you can do this uh, Sabbath thing. But the rest of us, we like life. So um, have a seat. Um, and and my, 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 uh, my starting question, by the way, I refer to extroverts as innies and outies. So as an outie... Um, how do you react to those four words, stop, rest, delight, and contemplate? What do they do for you? Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing is, you know, they, they kind of slowing down and, uh, and not running. And, and the, the first, first blush is, yeah, it's not with people. It's you're by yourself. Uh, do you like it? Or do you kind of go, oh, uh, I wish it said party. And, you know, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I do like it. I do like it. And I think uh, more than liking it, uh, just my reaction, there's two things. There's the, I know you want the extroverted side. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I look at, at what, uh, even the video that we just watched, and I kind of feel like it's not so much a like or don't like thing, but, but God wants us to do this, and so mm-hmm. we have to be in alignment with what he wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the challenge, I think, for me and, and for at least half the people in my family has been, how do we take this and, and do it well? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Um, in theory, which, well, maybe reality, which one's hardest for you? I'm sorry, I'm pointing. We have a screen down here, so it looks just like yours. I'm, I'm, I'm not my eyes are boring Mary through here. the, the Strowman's here, so I'm like, hmm. Uh, probably stop. Probably yeah. stop. Uh, because I have a tendency to just go. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, in my work life and, and when I'm when I'm doing things, I have a single-minded focus, and so taking the time to slow down, and stop, and think about okay, what what do I need to do here? Or what's what's the best thing to do here? Mm-hmm. So stop is probably number one. So coming again and again from the um, from the extrovert perspective, 
is there is there an extrovert way to implement this, or is this just for those of us that <laughs> like quiet? No, I think there is uh, absolutely. The the word on that list uh, that that grabs my attention is delight. Mm. Uh, of the four. Um, because it's the most like party? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, I hadn't thought of it that way, but for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, is there an extroverted way to do that? Yeah. One of the things that, that we've tried to do at our house is try to find things that we could delight in, both mm-hmm. in terms of time and in terms of uh, uh, things that we could do. I, I know this is going to come as a huge shock to you, uh, to everyone. But uh, one of the things that we've tried to do is get food involved. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been really nice. One of the things that, that my family likes, we like hot apple cider. Mm. We like hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, I, I know surprising. But we've, we've, uh, when we come home, uh, a lot of times Susan's there before from the rest church. of us come okay. home from church, right? Mm-hmm. So it's on a Sunday, come home from church and she'll have, you know, cider going or, uh, or hot chocolate going. And, and, you know, immediately there's, there's an aroma in the house. It's like, Oh, this is different. This is wonderful. <laughs> this is delightful. <laughs> I like the first word different. Cause that's yeah. what the day's supposed to be about. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like the ordinary days. That's been the that's challenge. Something as simple as yeah. having a special drink yeah. on the stove yeah. is different. Yeah. It, it just, I think it heightens our awareness that, you know, that this day is for something else. Yeah. yeah. But you guys have been doing a candle. That's the, so cool. The candle's awesome. I mean, it is, uh, we, so when we come home from church, there's a candle going. There's actually two candles going. One of them is a smelly one. And, okay. You know, it, it just, it's a good smelly. And then uh, the other one is a pillar that just, it's a slow burn. And, uh, you know, it just, again, it, it brings our attention to this is different. We don't do this every day. So we came home from church. Uh, you know, we've been doing this now for about four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's great. We love it. So Monday... Monday or Tuesday, one of the, one of the days of the week, uh, Susan come, ho- come home from work, and I'm done with my work for today, and we go downstairs, and the candles were magically lit. <laughs> I didn't light them, and she didn't light them. And what that brought our attention to was one of the four other people <laughs> living in our house lit the candles, and that, that was kind of an aha moment for us because it was like, this is sinking in. There's something happening here beyond hey, the candles are lit, there's something going on on this day, this stopping, this reflecting, this, okay, this is a different day that the kids like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is, we haven't experienced this before. And it was, it was cool. That's really cool. great. That's great. You told me, uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, I, after, a, after a Sunday, that um, Rachel came downstairs and said, Dad, Mom's computer is broken. Oh. And uh, normally that would lead to John, the tech fix-it man, <laughs> yeah. running up to the room and spending the next six hours yeah. reconstructing right. a computer. What did you do? You know, I'm our own IT, I guess. Uh, yeah, when things go south computer-wise, I get to fix it. Um, I really decided that this time I wasn't going to do that. And I kind of thought in the back of my mind... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this day. I want to do what, what God wants me to do. And so we're, I'm going to honor God. And I'm going to turn on the computer the next day, and it's just going to work. Mm-hmm. Had it not happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I wish it would have. It didn't. But you know what? It, it really took a conscious effort to go, um, no, this time we're really going to try to push this normal work, this normal thing that we would do aside and, and focus on, no, this is a day uh, that we as a family are going to stop our normal activity. And so we decided to do something different that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're leading no, go ahead. here or not. Instead of, instead of fixing the machine, I think it was this day, uh, we just we decided to go geocaching. I don't know if any of you know what that is, but it's uh, high-tech it's scavenger hunt. It's, it's a high-tech scavenger hunt. You use your smartphone to find the, the stump in the woods that has a little jar, then you can write your name on it and take a penny. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cool thing, and it's a way that our, our family likes to go and just be together and uh, you know, enjoy nature. And, and so we this is, To me, this is the nice mix of, of introvert and extrovert. The introverts are getting outside in nature and getting that peace. The extroverts are given something to do. (laughs) Because if you said, let's go look at leaves, they'd say, are you kidding me? That's true. Really? We could be doing something. Now, the downside is you do have to watch out for the burrs because we get covered in (laughs) burrs from head to foot. So How has this changed the quality of your life, the life of John Beaker? Honestly, you know, I was uh, not expecting there to be a huge change. because, I mean, we, we do. We come to church on Sunday morning. I mean, to me, that's always been, well, that's the different. We don't, we're not at church or not in this room anyway on Monday through Saturday. So that's mm-hmm. the different. Uh, it really has been a huge shift mm-hmm. in our thinking. And it has been a day that um, we really look forward uh, as a family to not just what happens in this room on a Sunday morning. We look forward to what happens the rest of the day. Because we've tried to... You know, as best we can. We I don't think we've done everything, you know, perfectly or even necessarily well. But the the small changes that we have made uh, has has changed the spirit in the house cool. on Sunday. Uh, one of the things that um, that we started doing on uh, Sunday mornings. I remember this from when I was a kid. My dad would uh, would turn on music hmm. on Sunday morning, loud. To make sure that we all got up in mm-hmm. time for church, mm-hmm. but there, there was uh, we we haven't typically done that. Sunday morning, a lot of times for us has been time to prep, time mm-hmm. to finish up, time to get going, and we have intentionally set that aside. And uh, we've kind of brought that back. Pandora has a great Chris Tomlin station, and um, we have that going. And I'll tell you, I I notice the difference. I, I watch uh, the difference it makes in my kids. The difference that it makes in my own heart is I am am more prepared. Uh, when I come in here on a Sunday morning. So, so true confession time. I don't, uh, and I'm serious about this. I don't design series and sermons targeting individuals. You know, I don't sit there and think about what I saw Lorraine do bad this past week and <laughs> design a sermon in light of it or something like that. It's not the way I work. Uh, this one I did. I'm not kidding. I'm totally serious. This one had Beaker written oh, all over on. it. Are you serious? It did. It did. Because remember the words, frazzled, frantic, fatigued, frazzled, fragment, jeez. Fran- oh, frantic, fatigued, frazzled, fragmented, and falling apart. Yeah. I didn't see your family falling apart. But your, your family was tired. Yeah, for sure. Your family has been running in 59 yeah. directions. And I thought, if Beaker takes this seriously and nobody else wow. does... It was worth it. And when you told me you were taking it seriously, I felt like my life was worth living. <laughs> I'm like, oh. finally, someone listened. Oh. Woo. Well, I'm serious. I, I mean, I really, I knew you needed this. I guess I, I didn't uh, 
I didn't know that uh, till right now this moment. I guess my response would be thank you. Uh, thank you, not, yes to you, but really the, the one word that talked a lot about the Sabbath and what it means and how to do it, uh, there's a word that's really stuck with me and uh, has been very meaningful, and that I never thought of the Sabbath in this way before, but the word gift. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, the gift of rest, the gift of, um, of using that day the way that God designed it, uh, recognizing that there's, there's something in me, there's something in our wiring as people that we, we need it. <laughs> We're made in his image. He stopped after six days and rested. There, there, we need to do that too. So, well, I, wow. I want to thank you and Sue and your kids for being the kind of people that are an example to us of people who take God's word seriously and don't just come and go, nice day, and then get on with whatever you're going to do. So thanks for that. Now, we're going to do this again in the second service. I'll say that again, but you don't have to act surprised. Okay. Okay? All right. Thanks. It's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to feign surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Introverts are much better at it. Give me a hug. Good to see you. Thanks. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the, uh, the introvert's playground, which is contemplation. It was Socrates who made this bold statement, the unexamined life is not worth living. Now, I don't know, that, that seems a little extreme. I mean, there's probably something still worthy of living if you're not totally unexam- unexamined. But having said that, the unexamined life really does lead to mere existence. We're just going through the motions, and we don't even know why. We need to take the time to think, and we need to make time to think. It has to be both. We need to make time to actually stop and think. What is contemplation? It is the act of looking thoughtfully at something or someone for a long time, to really just focus in. It's deeply reflective Thought. Remember, the Sabbath is not just a day of leisure. It's a day with purpose. It's a day unto the Lord, devoted to the Lord. And part of our devotion is to contemplate, to think deeply about God and think deeply about what God's doing in my life. Contemplation is an invitation to slow down and receive God into your life. That's what this is about. So on the Sabbath, I'm going to take more time to pay attention to God and God's work in my life. I'm going to pay attention to his fingerprints on my existence. I believe that a key verse for the contemplation side of the day of stopping is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. When was the last time he did that? Just be still and know that I am God. Here's what I wonder. What impact does our lack of stillness have on our knowledge of God? Is it possible that we do not know God as well as we could or should because we don't stop? We're not still. And this word knowledge here, it's not, it's not theoretical knowledge. It's not uh, theological trivial pursuit about God. This is the kind of knowledge that a husband has for a wife or a wife has for a knowledge. It's intimate knowledge. When I'm still in the presence of God, I have intimate knowledge of him. Be still, he says, and know that I am God in the stillness discover a deeper level of intimacy with God that's what he wants so on our day of stopping we need to carve out some time to contemplate 
I want to look at some other words in the Bible that refer to contemplation. And one of them is the word meditate. Meditate is right in the, that same area of contemplation. Psalm 119, David says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. It's like it's earwormed in him. He's, he's stuck on these verses. He can't stop thinking about it. God said to Joshua, as he's starting out his leadership of Israel, study this book of instruction continually. Study the law, the first five books that Moses had written. Study it continually. Meditate on it day and light, night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. We need to meditate on what God says and then live it out. Psalm 48 Verse 9, David said, Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. An element of what we're to be doing together on Sunday is to take some time to meditate, to contemplate, to reflect. Psalm 145, verse 5 should be there, but it's not. Um, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful deeds. I'll just stop and think about the things you do and the things you've done. There's another synonym for meditate. We've talked about it in the past, and it's the word ruminate. Rumination is the word used to depict the digestive process of animals with, with multi-chamber stomachs. We, we could call them uh, cud chewers. They're the ones that chew the cud. Cud is a portion of food that returns from a ruminant stomach to the mouth to be chewed a second time. And they go at it once again. Cows do that with food. They, they bring their food back up and re-chew it. We bring our thoughts back up and re-chew them. We bring facts back up and we re-chew them. The fact is, we live in an age that information is coming at us at a fire hydrant speed. I mean, we're just always being thrown stuff. Spend, I don't know, a half hour just wandering around the internet and all the facts that you can find and the things that you can see. You don't have time to process all the information that's coming your way. We need to stop sometimes and just think. Think about the implications of the facts that we're reading, the things that we see. Even in the Bible, we need to stop and not just have a factual knowledge of God, but an intimate knowledge of God that comes from taking the time to ruminate. One of the terms I love, it describes our times. It's the word unintended, unintended consequences. What are unintended consequences? It's when people don't take the time to think about what might happen. They, they just, they see the facts, they act quickly, and they don't think through what could happen if we do this, and what will happen if this happens, and what will happen if this happens. They don't think through all the steps. When we ruminate, we have a tendency to avoid unintended consequences, but because we think beyond just the fact to the implications behind the fact. It's not enough to be informed, even biblically informed. We need to think, to ruminate, to digest the implications. There's another word uh, for, for meditation as well, and that's the word ponder. This kind of thinking, again, moves beyond facts. It's not information memorization, but it chews on the topic and extracts from the fact implications and meaning. So we ponder. Meditating and pondering words include words like if and why and how. So we take the fact itself, a fact about God, 
Uh, I know this is true, but why does it matter? What's the why behind the what? So, this is true. It's a, it's a fact. How should I live in light of this? Information uh, goes beyond the, the who, the where, and the what. It just, it just really unpacks it all as we ponder. Meditation and pondering take the facts and they flip them over and flip them again several times, reflecting and extracting implications. So this is a large part of what God wants to make this day about, that we're not just rushing through a bunch of facts, but we're really reflecting at a deeper level. Another word for meditation is to consider to consider things. And this is the Proverbs verse that flashed quickly. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. To take the time to actually think beyond what you see on the surface. Again, it's more than just seeing facts. It's mulling, mulling over the consequences, mulling over the implications, really thinking deeply on this. A day of stopping is a day to contemplate, to meditate, to ruminate, to ponder, and to consider. Now, it leads logically to the question, ponder what? Consider what? Think about what? I'll give you a handful of things you could think about, and there are many, many, many more. One is you could take the time to just think about Scripture. Just think about what the Bible has to say. And and in doing this, what I would encourage you to do is move. There are two approaches you could take to the Bible. One is um, informational reading, where you're just trying to understand the facts of the Bible. And there is nothing wrong with that. We need to understand the facts if we're going to understand how we're supposed to live things out. That's what we would basically call study to study what the Word of God has to say. There's another approach to the Bible that we might call a devotional approach to the Bible. And this is where we read the Bible not so much for the facts. We're not, we're not going through and just trying to list all the facts of what are going on there. But we're actually allowing God to use the Bible to let His Spirit talk to us. To hear a story and say, God, what are you saying to me through this story? We might call it spiritual reading. Where we're not just looking to dissect the facts, but we're really asking God's Spirit to speak to us in what we're reading. So that's a piece of pondering. You may want to take 10 minutes every Sunday or every day of stopping and just spend some time alone with the Bible. Maybe read a psalm, read a passage, and don't just read it on a fact-finding mission. I mean, think about it if, if you approached your spouse all that time just on a fact-finding mission. You know, no, read it at a deeper level. Read it to hear what God is saying to you. What, what is he calling you to do? Who is he calling to you to be? Another thing we could reflect on is just God's action in our life. What's God been doing? What has God done? Sometimes you get kind of an attitude, God ain't done enough for me lately. You know, we we get kind of put off with God because it just seems like nothing. He's not doing anything. And And then when we start to really reflect, we realize God's got his fingerprints all over my life. I've just been an ingrate. I've just been missing it. How many times in the Bible does God use the word remember? Remember, especially when he's talking to the Israelites, remember. We need to think back and reflect on the things God has done in our life, the areas in which we have great reason to be grateful. We might reflect on on life itself. Just take the time to think about where your life is right now. Think about the season that you're in. You might take the time as you're thinking about your life to ask yourself this question. What's working? What's not working? If it's not working, why isn't it working? 
If it is working, don't think about it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> you know, what, what's working? What's not working? Why? Where am I headed? Where have I been? If I stay on this current path, where am I going to end up? Taking the time to reflect on life right now. How's it working? How's, how's it going? If your day of stopping is Sunday, you might want to take the time to reflect either with the other people or by yourself on what we talked about on a Sunday. Reflect on the teaching. To actually bring the cud back up later in the day and say, hmm... Ah, think about that. Think about what was the topic. How does that apply to the way I'm going to live tomorrow, the way I'm going to live the rest of my life? Here's another topic you might want to ponder. How about pondering the, the eternal? When you're going through daily life, you forget there's, there's something bigger going on here than daily life. I, I love this verse uh, from Hebrews. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago, and there it is. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. What's that special rest? It's eternity. It's enjoying the presence of God. Have you ever taken the time to to mull over what eternal rest will look like in Christ? You will no longer have any struggle with your sinful nature. Temptation will be gone. Won't that be a great thing? You'll be able to open the cabinet and see cookies and say, don't want them. I don't need them. I'm good. Temptation will be gone. No discouragement from another failure. No wrestling with fear and uncertainty. No daily battles against the evil one. No being battered by a harsh world. No fights, no arguments, no discord, no slander, no heartbreak, no cancer, no disease, no dying. Imagine just spending a half hour thinking about what it will be like when we are not here. Ponder that sometime. Consider it. Think about it. Thinking on the eternal reminds me again that there is more to this life than this life. So how about the methods? How do we contemplate? How does this work? One of the things I'd encourage you to do is just radically change your approach to Sunday. If Sunday's your day of stopping, change your approach to Sunday. And here are a few, few suggestions. We've already talked about the fact that, that the Sabbath for the Jews started with sunset the night before and ended on sunset the following day. What if your Sunday began on sun, at sunset Saturday night instead of Sunday morning when you wake up? What if you actually used Saturday night? And you may not be able to do this every Saturday. But what if more often than not, you use Saturday night to start getting your mind and heart ready for what you're going to do here with other people? It will radically change your approach. And even if you don't go with sunset, because let's face it, right now, sunset happens at about 2 in the afternoon. But (laughs) even if you don't go with sunset, what if you just set a time and said, you know what, from 8 o'clock on on Saturday night, This is going to be a time that we're not going to use to do other things. We're going to use it to start focusing on tomorrow. We used to, very similar to what John's family did, uh, when, when there were no kids in our house, Saturday night was turn on Christian music and just listen to music and get our minds ready for what was coming on Sunday morning. Use the gear up time the night before to get ready. Other changes of approach, Here, this one's interesting, show up early. And by early, I mean, you know, service starts at 9. So I... 8.57. You know, well, here's the thing, though. If you're bringing kids and you got to drop them off and you show up at 9, now you're not probably in here till about 10 after 9. 
And we only go an hour. So now you only get 50 minutes. So something as simple as we're going to leave a little earlier so that we take advantage of the full time here. Or we get here early enough to actually have a, a conversation with people at coffee instead of just, okay, go. Because that's the other piece of all this. Why not actually linger? I know extroverts are sweaty palms. You're, you're okay. There are nice people here, promise. But um, come in, grab the coffee, and stand and talk. Stand and talk before you leave. Slowing down the pace of the day. Changing the approach to Sunday can, can lead to a more contemplative lifestyle. Um, carve out some time for silence. Now, again, the introverts are going all day long. No problem with that. Extroverts are going... 10 minutes without noise? Are you kidding me? It may be that, literally. 10 minutes may be the, the, the full span of your endurance. That's fine. But take some time to shut everything off and hear your heart and hear God's heart. To just be silent. Try some silence. One of the things you may want to take on on the Sabbath or on your day of stopping is to keep a notebook for that day. Sometimes when we suggest journaling, people get really tense. They're like, ah, i got to write every day. This will make me crazy. What do I write? Blah, blah, blah. Once a week. Once a week, take the time to just write your thoughts. Those reflection thoughts we were talking about, about your life. Where am I? Where are things going? Taking some time to just take a page and write the things that you remember about what God has done in your life. You may even bring it now and take some notes on a sermon or whatever. But using that as just one thing you do on that day and that day alone. Another way to look at it, the components of contemplation. Contemplation requires stillness and a slower pace. I mean, you're not going to contemplate in full gear. So you're going to have to slow down a bit. It requires time. You're going to have to actually carve out some time, make time for this to happen. It requires some freedom from distraction, silence, freedom from demands, an undivided focus. Again, it's great if you can put away the technology on this day. It carves out some contemplative time. And, of course, as we've already said, it requires a topic. You got to have something to think about. Sometimes when we hear meditate, we think of this business, you know, uh, let's see if we can do this. Went to the rheumatologist this week, so I should be okay. You know, this is not meditation. This is not meditation. This is clearing your brain for bad things to enter. Scriptural, godly meditation is filling your mind. It's thinking on God. It's, it's filling your mind with the right thoughts, not clearing your brain so that any bad thought can enter. So taking the time to actually have a topic that you're thinking about. It's not just empty-headedness. So there it is. What are you going to do on your day of stopping? Well, you're going to stop. You're going to rest. You're going to delight. You're going to contemplate. And the challenge we have is we're all going to have to decide what that looks like for us because it's going to look different for each of us. I told you in this series, we spent some time a few years back going to Israel. On the way back, we got to go to Rome. It was cool. We got to see the Colosseum, the catacombs, Roman columns, all this beauty. And we spent one day in the Vatican Museum, and we were able to go to the Sistine Chapel. So we head into the Sistine Chapel, just this absolutely beautiful, mind-blowing work of Michelangelo. Four years to complete the work on that ceiling. It's incredible. I mean, just amazing. It's beautiful. And amid all this wonder and all this beauty, there were two rules. We walk in, there are two rules. No pictures. Not allowed to take a picture. Now, you can find them all over the internet. I don't know how they got there. But no pictures. And no talking. No talking. You're not allowed to speak. 
You're supposed to enter the room in complete silence. Here's the irony. To squelch the murmurs of the visitors, they blast over the PA system in four different languages the request to be silent. So you're hearing all these languages. And then they have somebody positioned in the room every 30 seconds going, shh, shh. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking at this and I'm going, you're irritating the lifeblood out of me right now. Because my reaction to this would be to go, wow. And my reaction to this literally would be to go, I'm going to lay down on my back and I'm going to stare and I want Kim right here next to me. I want to point at all these beautiful things and talk and jabber and just look at this. This is so cool. And they're telling me how I will appreciate Michelangelo's work. Doesn't work that way. Same with what we're talking about with the Sabbath. I can't prescribe to you what contemplation will look like for you. In fact, about the only thing that I can prescribe in this whole thing, God says, stop working one day a week. But even that, we'll debate what work is, because I'm going to go cut my lawn. That's not work for me. So you're going to have to figure out what this looks like for you and how you are going to enjoy the beauty of this day. God tells us to stop working, devote a day to him. But we're all going to do it differently. I promise you I'm going to take a nap. That's my rest. And some of you go, nap, snap. I would never take a nap. My mommy made me do it, and I'm not doing it ever again. As a 50-year-old, you're still saying it. We all need to stop. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to try a couple of contemplation exercises. I'm going to just do some things right here now, quieter, slower, to actually experience contemplation while we're sitting together on a Sunday morning. Instead of saying... Okay, now you heard it. Go contemplate. Which, by the way, if we were at the new property and it weren't a cold day, what I'd be doing right now is saying, go out to the oaks. Just go be still. Be quiet. But we're not there and it's freezing. So we're going to stick in here. And, and the cold people said yay. So what I'd like to do is spend a few minutes focusing on the verses in the Bible that talk about stillness. Stillness in the presence of God. And this is optional. And not required. If it would help you to focus better, shut your eyes. In fact, we're going to go ahead and dim the lights for this too. But shut your eyes and just focus on the words you're hearing. Uh, Words will be on the screen if you want to look. Either way, whatever works for you. But get yourself in a state that you can contemplate on these words from Scripture. Be still and know that I am God. In Hebrew, be still literally means leave off, cease striving, relax, let go of your grip. Let me reread it. Relax and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. Let go of your grip and know that I am God. Stop. And know that I am God. What are you gripping right now? In what area of your life do you need to open your hand and release your fist? Let go and know that I am God. 
sit with that thought in silence for a moment. Stillness in the Bible is often used in combination with another word, wait. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. David said, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. This kind of waiting is not totally passive. There's, a, there's an eagerness about it, anticipation, excitement, about seeing what God will do, how God will respond. What are you waiting for God to do? In what area of your life are you waiting for God to show up? Sit with that thought in silence for a moment and wait with God. In Psalm 62, David said, I wait before, quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He said, let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for God is my hope. Be still and wait. Be still and know that I am God. Relax and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. Let go of your grip and know that I am God. Stop and know that I am God. These words have me asking a question. It's a hard question. It's deeply probing. It's a question I've asked of myself And a question I ask as a shepherd as I walk through this flock and and inspect the condition of the souls of each sheep. The verse says, be still and know that I am God. Stop and know that I am God. Is it possible that we do not know God because we never stop? Is it possible that our culture lacks a sense of, the culture's lack of stillness is robbing us of our intimacy with God? Is our relationship shallow and suffering because we never stop? Sit with that thought for a moment. How would stillness with God improve your relationship with him? Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. Okay, you can open your eyes if you had them closed. And I'd like to talk about your homework before we do communion. So here's what I'd like you to do this week. I'd like you to carve out no less than 15 minutes 
of pure contemplative silence. What's that going to take? Well, you're probably going to have to go somewhere alone, somewhere rather secluded. That may be your bathroom. I don't know, but somewhere that you're by yourself, okay? Beautiful wooded area, something. Um, It's a time of compulsory silence. No talking. Talk to no one. Just be quiet. Take nothing with you. Nothing. And when I say nothing, this may sound sacrilegious. I don't even want you to take your Bible, okay? This isn't a time to catch up on your one-year Bible reading or something like that. The Bible you will take with you is the Bible you've already stored in your heart. Let the Spirit of God bring the verses to you that he wants to bring to you. And I want you to experience this verse. Be still and know that I am God. For at least 15 minutes this week by yourself, if you do nothing else, think about those words. Be still and know that I am God. You can go outside. Nature is God's great cathedral. Go ahead and do that. As you are, I want you to think about a couple other statements and verses. Like Samuel, it would be encouraging if you'd just say to him as you start, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Whatever you have to say, God, I'm open. And I love this quote from Emerson. He said, Let us be silent that we may hear the whisper of God. Take the time to be quiet long enough that God can prompt your heart and push you in the direction that he seeks. So, we're going to also take a contemplative approach to communion. And I've chosen a theme for this as well. It meshes with what our ladies did this weekend. So they had a great time in this retreat talking about their conversations and their messages and the way they used their words. And I thought we'd just reinforce that with several verses that speak to the way we speak, speak to our language, speak to our tongue. And then from there, Shelley's going to sing a song that reinforces that theme. Once that's done... Uh, We'll have servers that will position themselves in different places in the room. And I want you to go ahead to those servers and receive communion. And once you have, come back to your seat. So um, let's start with the verses. Lights are going to go back down. I want you to just go ahead and focus on these. Think about the implications, the way they work in your life. I'm not talking. There's no noise except the air conditioner. Feel like a prisoner. They made me feel safe, free. They made me feel like a criminal. They made me feel like a king. They've lifted my heart to places I've never been. And they've dragged me down back to where I began.
want to speak your love, not just another noise. I want to be your life. I want to be your voice. Let my words be light. Let my words be true. God, as we've had the chance to reflect on our words, on our tongue, on the valuable things we can say as well as the cutting ones, I pray today, God, that um, as we approach you, you would grant us forgiveness for the times that we have used our words improperly, and at the same time that we would feel your encouragement and your smile for the times that we've been kind. In Jesus' name. Our servers will move into position around the room, and when you're ready... Feel free to stand up and go have communion. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither thy help to come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus saw me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. Rescue me from danger, interpose his precious blood. How great a debt 
We think we get to know you in the talking and the reading, God, and we certainly do. What we miss is that you commanded us to get to know you in the silence. And I pray this week as we experience this on our own for at least 15 minutes that we would get to know you better. And it would become part of the practice of our day of stopping to be quiet, be still, let loose of the grip, cease striving. And know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our servers are going to come now and receive the offering. And as they do, I wanted to call attention to the card that's sitting on your chair today. Make sure you take it with you. Again, we're down to the last few weeks of the 11-week challenge. Thinking about what we're going to do in terms of the offering we're bringing on December 8th. Uh, One of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about in, in light of that, when we were originally talking about what we were going to do on the 8th. We talked about possibly doing an event very similar to the dinner that we did to, to kick off this whole, uh, the whole 11 weeks. Talking about maybe doing it back at the same place and everything else. And so some of you have been wondering, okay, so what are we doing on this particular day? Well, one of the things we've realized is that we get maximum participation on a Sunday morning. That the second we go anywhere, any other time of the week, someone has a conflict, a work conflict, sports, whatever. So we decided, hey, we're all here anyway. Let's go ahead and do this on Sunday. We have some things that we're going to do to make that day special, uh, some special stuff for our kids that day. But one of the things we're going to do is gather both services in one service. So just getting the energy and excitement of all being together, seeing everybody, being part of that. So we'll have more of those details for you next week. But if if you've been wondering if we're going back to Four Rivers or what exactly is going on, it'll be here. It'll be a normal church day, but not necessarily normal church time to be able to be all gathered together and celebrate what God's going to do in and through us. So we hope in a day of talking about contemplation that we've given you something to think about. And uh, as you walk away from the day, I hope that you will, like we said, take some time, sometime during this week, to be quiet enough, quiet enough to hear what God is saying to you.
Enjoy your day. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His name. I was a little girl alone in my little world who dreamed of a little home for me. I played pretend between the trees. And fed my house gas, bark, and leaves, and laughed in my pretty bed of green. I had a dream that I could fly from the highest swing. I had a dream. It was eight years ago that we stood practically the same spot. And that's when our dream began. I remember back then we had a, a successful summer day camp yes, with about 300 kids that attended. Mm-hmm. And most of them were from our church. They were just kids from the neighborhood. It came for that one week, and many of them accepted Jesus before that one week was over. And I look at this property that we're standing here observing, and I'm thinking, man, this is made to order for a summer vacation. Right. These were our dreams. to say about this life I'm willing to live.